I'm Marianne Kolbesak McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group, and today I'm speaking with Errol Weiss, Chief Security Officer at the Health Information Sharing and Analysis Center, or HISAC. Errol will be discussing new guidance issued by the Healthcare and Public Health Sector Coordinating Council Task Force, which he co-chairs. The guidance covers best practices for how healthcare organizations can set up and manage cyber threat information sharing programs. So, Errol, for starters, why did the Coordinating Council issue this new guidance about cyber information sharing for the healthcare sector? Yeah, Marianne, I think it helps answer a few questions that people struggle with when they initially start thinking about where to even get started. How do I even get started? What do I need to share? Organizations that want to join an ISAC or want to belong to an ISAC or even current ones that do belong to an ISAC often don't know how or where to get started. So the, getting started was, was one of the main questions. But then we also look at some of the real and perceived barriers that often inhibit the information sharing from even happening in the first place. And so there's certainly plenty of laws and regulations that are in place today that affect all kinds of organizations and vary from country to country and even sometimes here within the U.S. from state to state. So we have to deal with those laws, rules, and regulations. And then we're also even just seeing internally challenges with lack of management support or even sometimes very reluctant organizations uh, from general counsel who are not willing to go down the information sharing route because they are not comfortable with the potential ramifications of what might happen from their perception of what might happen if they share information. So, Errol, what kinds of cyber information and cyber intelligence are we talking about and sharing among whom and how? So, talking about what kind of information, the, the paper actually is organized around several different intelligence types, and it covers everything from strategic and tactical intelligence to more operational intelligence. So, even sharing things like threat indicators, indicators of compromise, which could include very specific IP addresses or information about malicious emails. And we even talk about how to share open source intelligence. Uh, One of the neat areas in the paper also addresses industry best practices, which there's a a lot of information sharing that even happens around that. So peers may be asking about different aspects of an information security program and specific policies or practices that others may have in place and they want to understand what is sort of the state of the art amongst their peers, that's another way that they can even share information by sharing what they're doing with respect to industry best practices. On the how to share, we actually talk about using something called the traffic light protocol, which was created several years ago by other information sharing organizations, and it basically breaks down uh, information according to whether it's considered red, amber, green, or white, obviously the the colors in the traffic light. And it goes from red, which means it can only be shared with very specific people, to amber, which basically means it can be shared with anyone inside the member organization, and all the way down to white, where it could be considered public, and there's really no expectation of any sharing restrictions at that level. And again, that's all explained in the paper as well. From there, we talk about making sure members are appropriately addressing 
the protection of information that they're sharing. So if it's internally derived information that they want to share, make sure it can be released by your organization. Make sure you're not sharing any sensitive information like PII or PHI. And if you are working with a third party or uh, another intelligence provider, make sure you're not violating any confidentiality agreements by sharing that information outside the organization. So we kind of run through some tips and tricks about that as well. Finally, I would say also that one of the areas that we address in there is, is the legal protections that are afforded by the Cybersecurity Information Sharing Act of 2015. And in there, that was one of the laws that was passed a few years ago at the federal level that helps provide some liability protections for entities in the private sector to share information about cyber threat indicators or even defensive measures that they're taking and to avoid any sort of liability issues with sharing that information. And then finally, on the who to share with, uh, we have a whole section in there. Obviously, we have a, an interest from the Help ISAC for members to share with the Help ISAC, but we talk about the ability to also share with other government agencies like HHS or FDA. We cover issues about sharing with law enforcement or even sector regulators. And then we even give some tips and tricks about sharing internally. So sharing internally with your own cyber threat intelligence teams or other information security staff, uh, business continuity teams, et cetera. So Errol, is there an example you can give about a top best practice that's highlighted? So I think one of the one of the major challenges that I mentioned earlier was some of the conflicts that I see often happening with organizations that tell me that they can't share because they've hit a roadblock with their internal legal counsel. So some of the advice that we give in the paper is about really trying to develop a, a more of a partnership relationship with your internal legal team and work with them to explain the value proposition here and exactly the kinds of information that you anticipate sharing. And the best practices paper even provides some, some background about value on why you would want to participate in, in an information sharing organization. And you may be able to help explain some of those positive aspects of information sharing with your internal legal team. They may be more willing to work with you if, if, if you are engaging them and helping to find a solution to the challenges or obstacles that they identify. And we also talk about getting the legal department involved early in the process. And even thinking about if, if you conduct, for example, even tabletop exercises as a course of your normal information security practices or business continuity practices, I'd also suggest even adding your legal department in that tabletop as well and let them experience what it looks like to be in an incident and understand in the course of that exercise what it means to share information and what it looks like when you get information back from that community and the value proposition there of, of why you would want to participate. So it's really about engagement with that legal organization to try to get them involved in this process and, and to work with them to develop that relationship and help demonstrate the value. So Errol, in the midst of healthcare sector entities dealing with 
COVID-19 cases and the whole situation with this. We're also seeing reports that healthcare sector entities are experiencing an increase in coronavirus-related phishing scams and other similar sorts of incidents. When it comes to the COVID-19 situation, what kinds of cyber information should healthcare organizations be considering to share? Yeah, that's a great question. Certainly very timely. And, and one thing I would say, too, is the uh, COVID-19 phishing emails and malware and ransomware that we're seeing today that, that are taking advantage of the current situation are certainly not isolated to just the healthcare sector. Normally, in, in, in when we see physical events or other kinds of in, incidents happening that the malicious actors are taking advantage of to spread their malware, it's normally very localized or even regionalized. But here they're capitalizing on a global event that's impacting every person on the planet. So they've got a large target audience. The thing that we are seeing being shared today around that, though, is very specific indicators around the malware that the malicious actors are pushing, everything from also including the phishing emails that they're using. So we, we get indicators like the from address of an email, the payload information that's in there, whether it's pointing to a malicious website or some of these happen to also have file attachments in there. We're sharing specifics about the file attachments. The other thing that we've seen here in the last couple of days is also the Johns Hopkins COVID-19 website that's been very popular and lots of people are using to take a look at to see the current spread of the virus. Uh, There are malicious versions of that that are being used as well to spread malware. And we're seeing indicators from that being shared as well. So uh, malicious executables and also the uh, phishing parameters of what's being uh, used to spread that. We're seeing people share that too. And finally, Errol, if you're a healthcare organization that's not in the position to share cyber information due to limited resources or other issues, but you still want to know what other entities in the sector are dealing with, what's your advice? Yeah, that's a great question because we certainly hear that all the time. And where organizations might not be big enough or might not have a, a mature information security organization or they're just getting into this, that's fine. We, we would really certainly encourage them to become a health ISAC member in this case, for example, but it's okay if they can't share as they're building that program and learning and ramping things up. We certainly would advocate them becoming a member because we feel it's important to receive that information as well. And as one of the main tenets of the health ISAC is that we want to see the entire health ecosystem be more secure. And the only way that we can help that happen is by everyone being secure because we're so tightly connected. We have so many partners that work with each other and share information and have network connections with each other. So we really want to be able to see everyone benefit from the information sharing, the incident sharing, and the collaboration that's happening and take advantage of the indicators that we have. So it's okay if they can't share in the beginning. We hope they can do it eventually. Thanks, Errol. I've been speaking to Errol Weiss of HISAC. I'm Marianne Kolbisak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.